0: Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh?
1: Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing.
2: Oh, yeah.
3: <laughs> love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah,
2: ski slopes. Let's do
4: it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby.
5: Wait. Did we just invent California?
4: Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.
1: I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual.
6: George and Mary get married, you know, they're in the car, they have to see a lot of cash, Like they're about to go, you know, live it up in Europe.
4: You know what we're going to do? We're going to shoot the works. A whole week in New York, a whole week in Bermuda, the highest hotels, the oldest champagne, the richest caviar, the hottest music, and the prettiest wife. Oh, That does it. (laughs) Then what? Then what, honey? After that, who
6: cares? And then, you know, there's the run on the bank.
7: My husband hasn't worked in
4: over a year and I need money. How am I going to live until the bank opens?
8: I got Dr. Bills to pay. I need cash. I can't uh, keep my uh,
4: kids' own faith. Uh, I've gotta have- How much do you need?
9: Hey! I got $2,000. And
6: then Mary decides to give the money basically to the people who just gave them the money. They just got married, you know? Even if George went through what he went through with Clarence, he, I don't think he would have made it even halfway there without Mary's support and you know, her not being fazed by anything. I mean, if Mary hadn't been there, I don't know if George would have made it, to be honest. <laughs> With her without Clarence. She's a big, you know, hero of this movie. Um, you know, it's one thing to get an angel to come down on your shoulder and stuff, but I mean, she, you know, she's basically there, like, lifting him up, supporting him, you know, trying to make everything in the background go as smoothly as possible. Yeah, I don't think there would have been a George without Mary and vice versa. You want me?
10: Bailey, I'll love you till the
6: day I die. I really believe that, you know, the best songs, you have to be genuine and write what you know.
11: Carolyn Sills wrote and performs the song you hear at the start of every episode, George Bailey. And
6: to me, that doesn't always mean, like, your feelings. It could be an experience that is dear to you or something that you've just loved your whole life. And so when I started thinking about Christmas and what could I write about, I mean, immediately I thought about, you know, It's wonderful life and George Bailey. And then that was interesting, too, just thinking, okay, well, how do I write a song about that movie? I don't want to just like retell the story. So I kind of needed a spin on it. And, and the first thing that popped into my head was, you know, George Bailey, I'll, I'll love you till the day I die, which is what Mary had, you know, whispers to him when he's bent over at a uh, Gower's you know, pharmacy and she's making him a soda pop, so... wants to travel, he wants to build skyscrapers, and to him, you know, what's even bigger, it's if there's the moon, he basically would do anything for her. And the beautiful part of that is how she doesn't, you know, she doesn't want to go out and do all these big things. She just wants to have a nice, happy, comfortable life with him in their little town that they have been in since day one. I just, I love her spirit. I love, you know, how strong she is. I mean, she's, she, I think she's a stronger character than George, just in her ability to be able to handle everything that's going on. So um, yeah, it's definitely, definitely her story. I'm trying to put myself in
3: her shoes.
12: I wonder if he hadn't been in the picture whether Mary might have, have found another um another career or life path in a serving profession.
11: Monica Hess writes about gender and its impact on society for the Washington Post, including one article headlined Mary Bailey is the true hero of it's a wonderful life.
12: Like would she have been the brilliant art teacher who inspired generations of students and whose family became the students that she had um, the students that she had inspired and who upon her retirement the entire town would have come out to celebrate and she would have you know gone several times a year into the city to see broadway shows and she would have introduced culture and she would have introduced um, like beauty and interesting discussions to the people she met. I could really easily see that kind of life for her. Buffalo girls, can't you come out tonight? Can't you come out tonight? Can't you come out tonight? Buffalo girls, can't you come out tonight?
10: And dance by the light oh.
4: Okay, then, I'll throw a rock at the old Granville house.
7: Oh, no, don't. I, I love that old house. No, you see,
4: you make a wish and then try and break some glass in, you've got to be a pretty good shot
11: nowadays, too. Oh, and no, George,
7: don't. It's full of romance, that old place. I'd like to live in it. In that place? Mm-hmm.
11: I wouldn't live in it as a ghost. Many Wonderful Life fans have posited this moment as the one in which Mary doomed George to a life in Bedford Falls. If you believe in wishes... Well, you gonna throw a rock? Yeah, that's pretty good what'd you
2: wish mary
7: buffalo
12: girls can't you come out
7: tonight, tonight. can't you come tonight. out tonight? tonight can't you come out tonight
12: she didn't need travel she didn't need adventure she needed george and that's that's very clear from the beginning what she needed to be happy was george what George needed to be happy or what he thought he needed was a big, grand life, and he sacrificed that.
11: What is it
5: you want, Mary? What do you want? You, you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. Hey, that's a pretty good idea. I'll give you the moon, Mary. I'll
3: take it. We believe that uh, Mary is actually the real key character in It's a Wonderful Life. If it weren't for Mary, George would be done.
11: You remember Kelly, the owner of Drink Like a Girl, hosting that beer tasting in Seneca Falls in an earlier episode?
3: And George is the main character, right? It was Mary who pulled everything together. It was Mary's empowerment that said, all right, I'm going to pick up my bootstraps while he's going crazy with the angel and and take care of things. And like, if it weren't for Mary, he would have lost everything. Mm -hmm. So for me, Mary could pull her own moon down. So our logo is Mary lassoing the moon herself. And the moon is holding one glass of wine and one pint of beer. And hence, it's a wonderful tasting, blending women-owned breweries and women-owned wineries together today
12: so when i watch the movie i spend it alternating between wanting to ring george's neck like just stop complaining and look at this amazing life you have but also feeling a deep empathy for the fact that it's not the life he wanted
11: monica his
12: he he did have to sacrifice and so he has to go through more of a journey to accept where he's at than then Mary had to go through. Did you know that Mary Hatch is back from school?
13: Mm-hmm.
12: Came back three days ago.
7: Mm-hmm. Nice girl, Mary.
13: Mm-hmm.
7: Kind that'll help you find the answers, George. Can you give me one good
4: reason why you shouldn't call on Mary? Sure, Sam Wainwright. He? Yeah,
8: Sam's crazy
4: about Mary.
13: Oh, she's not crazy about him.
4: Well, how do you know? Would she discuss it with him? No. Well, then
7: how do you know? Well, I've got eyes, haven't I? She lights up like a firefly whenever you're around. Oh. Besides, Sam Wainwright's away in New York, and you're
12: here in Bedford Falls.
4: And all's fair in love and war. Oh, I don't know about war. Ha, <sighs> <laughs> ha.
12: Oh, it's so infuriating. It's so infuriating because if you watch the scene where. Oh, hello, Sam. How are you?
7: Oh, I'm great. Gee, it's good to hear your voice again. Oh, well, that's awfully sweet of you, Sam. There's an old friend of yours here, George Bailey. <laughs> yes, old mossback George. ee put him on. Well, well, just a minute. I'll call him George. George, Sam wants to speak
12: to you. They're in Mary's living room, and they're crowded around the the telephone, and they're talking to Sam Wainwright. Hi, Sam. Well,
14: George Baliofsky. Hey, a fine pal you are. What are you trying to do, steal my girl?
4: What do you mean? Nobody's trying to steal anybody's girl. Here, Here, here's Mary.
12: What you see is not Mary trying to keep George there. What you see is George wrestling with the idea that he wants these big things.
4: Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah. Well, listen,
12: but he's also fallen in love with Mary. And, and, and that's not Mary's bad. fault. That's about life. That's about adulthood. That's about realizing that um, the plans that you've made for yourself, you can have a, a wrench thrown in them.
4: Now you listen to me. I don't want any plastics. I don't want any ground floors. And I don't want to get married ever to anyone. You understand that? I want to do what I want to do. And you're... And you're... Oh,
12: Mary. George, George, George. And the, the, the version of It's a Wonderful Life that would have been made if George had, had said, OK, bye, Mary. I have to go travel the world now. There could have been a a version of the movie like that. And I think it would have been one filled with regret and longing on George's part because he doesn't have Mary. I don't think that the movie is about how George chose one right path and he has to be made to see it. In some ways, the point of the movie is that there are lots of paths that we can choose and any path you choose is going to have joy in it and it's also going to have regret in it. And how do you come to peace with the path that you've chosen? How do you accept that whatever life you're living is the wonderful life that you were meant to live? And how do you do that before it's too late? So yeah, I don't have a lot of patience for the idea that that Mary trapped George. I think that George is where he wanted to be. And that doesn't mean he's not going to have periods of wondering what his life would have looked like if he had chosen something else.
9: The wait is over. The Shy returns May 10th on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn. Alliances will shift and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash TheShot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply.
5: Rain or shine, every day is a great day for fishing, right? You got rain gear, but you can't overlook sunny day gear. A Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie has you covered on the sunniest days, like literally.
2: Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash iHeart. That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here.
1: You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack
11: Oh, well, uh, I can't. Uh, I
4: don't know how you know these things, but tell me, where is she? I'm if you know where she is, tell me where my wife is. I'm not supposed to tell. Please, Clarence, tell me where she is. You're not going to like it, George. Where is she? She's an old maid. She never married. Where is Mary? Where is she? she? Where is she? She's
10: just about to close up the library. It's almost like she ended up a Carmelite nun, right? Like in a monastery. Because nobody, nobody had the charm of a George Bailey. Nobody had... The sex appeal of, you know, nobody's saying Buffalo girls, won't you come out tonight with her? And as a result, you know, she, she never had sex ever, (laughs) you know, it's like, I don't know. It's, I, I, I guess I've never bought that.
14: I have no doubt in my mind that even in the alternate reality, Mary would have still been this very strong, independent woman.
11: The most common complaint about wonderful life may be Mary's fate in the universe where her spouse, George Bailey, was never born.
15: Looked at from our modern perspective, the two options presented to her are spinsterdom or having a husband and kids. This is Emily St. James,
11: media and culture critic.
15: And yet, I think if you, like, look around the edges of this movie, it's more complicated than that. Mary!
2: Mary!
4: Mary! Mary! Mary, it's George! Don't you know me? What's happened to us? I don't know you. Let me go! Mary, please! Oh, don't do this to me! Please, Mary! Help me! Where are our kids! I need you, Mary! (laughs) Help me! me. 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 Let
16: me go!
10: Well, you don't. Somebody call the
15: I think what is interesting is it's not that she lacks for options for marriage. She has plenty. It's that she wants to marry George and has since she was a kid. So uh, if she doesn't marry him, she's going to get a job at the library. And like, yes, the film kind of treats that as a tragedy. But I think both in the way that Donna Reed plays it and in the ways that you can sort of think about the movie's internal logic, I don't think it's treated as a curse so much as it's treated as like... These two people were meant to be together and they're not together. I think it's more complicated than, you know, the read of it that is like, oh my gosh, this movie thinks working at a library is the worst thing that could happen. And being single is the worst thing that could happen. This movie thinks Mary and George belong together. And it carries with it sexist assumptions about that. But like it deep down just thinks these two people make each other better. And honestly, if two people make each other better, maybe they should be married. I I still believe that today.
6: I went off to college in Indiana, went to DePaul University for a while, and then transferred to Western Washington University, which is how I ended up in this part of Washington State.
11: You've met Monica previously, Frank Capra's granddaughter. Uh, here, she's again speaking alongside her daughter, Hannah.
6: And I uh, graduated from there, got a teaching degree, and now I'm an elementary librarian.
17: I went to Western Washington University like she did for my undergrad, and uh traveled around a bit lived in alaska for a little while and then went and got my master's degree in library and information science from syracuse um and then i now work in records management for the epa so um library adjacent for sure i think it's hilarious but i think my my grandfather really loved uh books and he and my grandmother was a huge book collector and they had a rare book collection that was quite famous for a while there um
6: but uh it's funny because it was sort of it's sort of ironic in our family now. It's like oh
18: my
14: gosh, she's at the library. You know, like what a terrible thing. You know, being librarian, it's not an easy job. You don't just shelve books all day. You're a progressive, critical, analytical thinker. You are somebody who, you know, has a strong focus and concentration. I think that makes you a lot stronger as a person that you know how to have conversations, you know how to talk to people.
11: Tanya Hussein, a writer and editor thinks looking at Mary's outcome without George as a tragedy does a disservice to her uh, and to librarians.
14: Seeing Mary, for me, is somebody who is very independent in both realms. When she's Mary with George in, you know, the life with all the children, she's doing a great job. She takes care of her family. She's like the utmost definition of feminism in the fact that she knew exactly what she wanted. Mary will always be a feminist in both lives. Librarians back in the 40s, they actually made quite a lot. They made 18,000 at wages versus the, you know, average worker making 12,000 a year. And that was an endowed by the Carnegie Foundation. Saying that she's an old maid and she resorted to nothing, it's ridiculous. I would be remiss if I did not mention that Mamaroneck Public Library was
19: voted best library in Westchester County, and we are super proud of that.
11: I brought you briefly to Mamaroneck, New York, in a previous episode where Norman Rockwell grew up. This is Jennifer O'Neill, their librarian.
19: I'm proud to be a librarian, but library director is a totally different set of skills. I manage people um, and uh, help manage this facility, manage the budget. Um, and uh, have all of our dealings with external um, community as well. I report to the board. uh, I'm their only employee. These are all my employees here. We have an open position currently for $55,000. It's not common to own your own home um, when you work at a library. I have some librarians who are married um, and have been in the profession for a long time, but their spouse um, probably makes more than they do to make that a possibility. See, if, if you were to ask me to say a George Bailey-type hero, I would say Leslie No,
11: Frank Capra's great-granddaughter again, Hannah, a super fan of television show Parks and Recreation. With actor Amy Poehler playing small town leader Leslie Nope.
17: I have, in fact, seen it all the way through three times. It is a, about a main character named Leslie Nope, who is the deputy director of the Parks and Recreation Department of Pawnee, Indiana. And um, she cares very deeply about her community and the people around her. And she just wants to make everyone's lives better. And she runs into roadblocks that are her coworkers and the community that she serves. But she attempts to overcome those and successfully does on multiple occasions and helps show them that their community is great and that they can help it out in small, meaningful ways every day.
11: During college, Hannah would watch the show weekly with a group of friends as each episode aired on NBC.
17: Yeah, it was just a bunch of us who all, we were all finishing college or had just finished college. So we were all like about to go out into the world, right? And we saw Leslie as an example of what to do in the world. Her motto is always just try your hardest and try your best. I I think a lot of us have carried that with us since then.
11: Leslie's best friend, Ann Perkins, is played by Rashida Jones. Whose grandfather, you'll recall, played that special role in seeing wonderful life end up the people's movie.
17: One of my best friends. We we have a joke that I'm the Anne Perkins to her Leslie Nope because she's like really the go getter uh, between the two of us, and she's the one who like she will push me to go try new things or to learn more about an issue or to just get more involved. And I love their friendship. It's so just lovely and beautiful. Like they're not ashamed how much they care for each other. You can talk about the Bechtel. Test too, if you want to here. A very base level of feminism for a television show is two women on screen, both who have names, who are having a conversation about something other than man. And Parks and Rec just flew right by that. I think maybe in one of the first scenes, because Leslie and Anne are introduced immediately to each other and they're talking about a park. (laughs) So you just kind of knew right away that this show was gonna not pit women against each other, but hopefully help uplift them.
9: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the event we are doing tonight, which is a city council candidate debate that we're going to start now. does
18: this affect your decisions as a city councilor?
9: I want to run this town like
2: a business. My opponent, Leslie Nope, has a very anti-business agenda. Recently, my dad told me that if Leslie Nope wins the election, they'll probably have to move Sweetums to Mexico. That would be... Terrible, of course. Thousands of people in this town would lose their jobs, and we all wouldn't have candy. Now, I'm not saying that is gonna happen, but I do know this. If I win, I bet I could get them to stay.
9: Wow, shocking stuff.
13: I'm very angry. I'm angry that Bobby Newport would hold this town hostage and threaten to leave if you don't give him what he wants. It's despicable. Corporations are not allowed to dictate what a city needs. That power belongs to the people. Bobby Newport and his daddy would like you to think it belongs to them. I love this town. And when you love something, you don't threaten it. You don't punish it. You fight for it. You take care of it. You put it first. As your city councilor, I will make sure that no one takes advantage of Pawnee. This is my home. You are my family. And I promise you, I'm not going anywhere. Holy shit, Leslie, that
2: was awesome.
11: <laughs> of course, you'll remember that before Amy Poehler was Leslie Nope, early in her career, she was Mary Hatch. In the parody, Escape from Wonderful Life, uh, co-created by Jay Martell. The one thing I noticed when when we were taking
10: apart the movie was what a strong character she was. Which, again, would have been very easy to underwrite that character, make her like arm candy for George. And I fell in love with that actress when I was watching that movie over and over again. And she's just like an amazing, it's an amazing performance, right? In, in the way that she she in some ways represents the great part of the town is is embodied in Mary right,
11: the original film gives us one version, but now, thanks to Jay and Amy, we have the opportunity to see another a stranger version. George is trying to escape from the film because it's been running for so long, and he's so tired of the part of living in Bedford Falls, being George Bailey. That is, until Mary takes his place. Clarence. Yes, George? Where's Mary? Well, I uh can't... That's
10: uh, my agent. You've got to tell me. Where is she? Is it a polish art movie? Oh, my God, it's not a porno. George,
11: you really don't want to know. Please, Clarence, tell me where she is. You're not going to like it, George. Where is she?
20: She's playing George Bailey in It's a Wonderful what Life. Do you mean?
10: That's my role. Where is she, she?
20: She's shooting the scene outside the building alone. Well,
13: all
4: right,
10: Uncle Billy. S-s-s- see you tomorrow. All right. Okay. Mary, what the hell are you doing wearing my hat and my clothes? Are you crazy? Mary. Mary. Mary! 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 How dare you steal my part? I saved you from the bush! A
4: hot dog! I'm George Bailey!
10: No, I'm George Bailey! What the heck are you doing trying to be me? What's going on, Mary? Uh, uh, I'm George Bailey! No I'm George Bailey.
13: Oh, no, I'm George Bailey!
10: No, I'm George
13: Bailey! Hey, George! Bailey. Hiya, George! Hey, there's two George's! Hiya, George's! Hi, hey, two George's! Hey,
10: He's ruining the movie again! Ruining the movie? I made this movie what it is! She can't act! because that's you know george is trying to get away from the town george is trying to get away from Mary. george is trying to get away from commitment george is trying to get away from growing up from from all the things you have to do as an adult the sacrifices you have to make the, the you know your dreams right like everyone no matter how successful you are you 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 know you get married you have kids there's things that fall
9: by the wayside and that's Leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com/slash the shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime Annual Plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply.
5: Rain or shine? Every day is a great day for fishing, right? You got rain gear, but you can't overlook sunny day gear. A Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie has you covered on the sunniest days. Like literally.
12: blinds.com rules and restrictions may apply
10: and and, but mary's it's all it's all so well done
11: if you wanted to imagine what things would be like if mary not george was actualized to be the recognized leader regarding events in bedford falls uh, you'd need look no further than the only attempt at a remake The 1977 TV movie, It Happened One Christmas, made during the era when the world believed wonderful life was in public domain. Nearly a shot-for-shot, line-for-line redo, it did just that, swapping the gender of the protagonist with Marlo Thomas, the actor, coming off her hit TV show, That Girl, as Mary Bailey, daughter of Peter Bailey. Here, she's the one with the big dreams who stands up to Potter, this time played in a marvelous bit of casting by Orson Welles.
7: Now, well, wait just a minute here.
8: Look here, Mary. Your father was no businessman, and business is what we're here to discuss. No matter how sad I am, at his passing.
0: Ah, oh, that's wonderful coming from you, Potter. Considering you probably sent him to his grave.
8: Ridiculous.
13: You're what's ridiculous, Mr. Potter. You never could beat my father, could you?
8: You're a preposterous girl, Mary. You better hurry off to Europe and write one of those books you deal better in fiction than in real life. Yes, you sir. think I couldn't have crushed this nickel and dime operation in a day if I'd wanted to?
13: Well, maybe this is a nickel and dime operation. And frankly, why anybody would want to spend their life doing it is beyond me. But Peter Bailey dedicated his life to it, and you people should understand what you're giving up before you knuckle under to no, it.
0: Mary, right, let's not get.
13: Uh, you should get excited. I'm leaving. You're the ones that have to stay here. You should understand that a a man like Ernie Baker being able to buy his own taxi cab and own his own house.
8: I'm a taxi driver.
13: Yeah, a taxi driver. My father knew what gave people self-respect. When Potter here gouges them for his company shacks, he steals from them a lot more than just their money. He steals their dignity. And you may not think that shows up on some financial sheet for a hardware store or matters to a doctor or a judge. But just watch what happens to all of you if you let him win.
11: Monica Hiss. I
12: have no doubt that Mary I have no doubt that Mary could run could run the business. It's really interesting to puzzle through this to separate what was George's dream and what was Mary's dream. Because like we were talking about Mary's dream was to be with George and i think that if she wasn't going to be with George there's a good chance she wasn't going to be in in Bedford Falls um she would have gone elsewhere she would have found um she would have found a bigger life and it would have been a good life but i don't know that it would have been in Bedford Falls um in some ways, the two of them together are what make the Bedford Falls existence, um, you know, possible and, and meaningful. i so
7: fascinated to hear Jimmy tell how It's a Wonderful Life encouraged him to keep making movies. Well, it had an entirely different effect on me.
11: This is Donna Reed, the actor who brought Mary Hatch to life.
7: When I finished making that film, I thought perhaps I might not make any more movies. I suppose I knew on some deep level that I would never have another experience in a film to equal it. We all worked hard. I never worked harder in my whole life. There was never a let up, never a letdown. But I certainly never dreamed that people would be looking at It's a Wonderful Life every Christmas Eve, for the next 35 years. Frank, I am very grateful and beholden to you for letting me be Mary Bailey. Thank you. She and my dad, you know, after she won the um,
6: Oscar in 1954, From Here to Eternity, she ended up in all these B-Westerns. She couldn't stand it and Hollywood didn't really know what to do with her. So they looked into starting their own production company, they made a couple of movies, and then tried television. You know, it was on for eight years. It was extremely popular.
11: Mary Owen is one of two biological children born to Donna Reed and her producer husband, Tony Owen. Like Jimmy Stewart, Mary also adopted two children with Tony. But they were divorce after their hit television series, The Donna Reed Show, ended.
6: There is... Uh, In season two, an episode on The Donna Reed Show called Just a Housewife. And it's really fun. And in a way, she kind of brings feminism to this small town hill devil in which the show is set. Unlike today, where things are kind of heavy-handed and sort of hit you over the head. It's pretty cute, and it's done very well.
8: Hello again. Direct from McClure's supermarket, we present The Housewives Corner, the radio show that brings you
11: laughs Tears to say nothing of
6: bargains. You know, she's in the grocery store and this, there's a guy who has a show and he's interviewing women and he always asks them, what do you do? And they always say, I'm just a housewife. And my mother starts commenting on that and realizing that not only are you diminishing yourself by saying that, but then what she tries to define all the things that that means to be a housewife.
8: And uh, what do you do,
11: Mrs. Burns?
7: Oh, I'm just a housewife, Terry. have you ever noticed how women seem to
5: apologize when they say that
7: men don't say I'm just a salesman or I'm just a scientist and then you don't say you're just a doctor
5: (laughs) honey why take exception to a word you are a housewife
7: yeah but not the way he used it laughing boy makes it sound like a faceless glob (laughs) Alex, it isn't that I object to doing housework. I just don't want to be known as just a housewife.
11: Donna Reed becomes a lightning rod of controversy among espoused feminists in the 1960s. Of course, I never really told people
6: who my mother was until I felt I could trust them. But I suffered deeply (laughs) because that wave of feminism just really hated what she represented on the show. Which was hard because, I mean, she was a businesswoman. It was her name on the show. I mean, it wasn't like the other family shows where she just kind of sat around and you know, baked cookies or whatever, she was pretty active.
11: Of all the towns and cities in America in which the modern female equality movement might have gotten started, it happened in Seneca Falls. The town we've established shares the same space in your universe that Bedford Falls does in George's and Mary's. I'm taking you to the remnants of the Wesleyan Chapel, a very old brick building now part of America's Women's Rights National Historical Park. This is where the convention took place that kicked it all off.
3: Following the Revolutionary War um, was a you know a period of time where the United States was really trying to figure out who we were and and what it meant to be an American, what it meant to be a citizen, what it meant to really fully participate in society and they rallied uh, a lot of folks around the cause of abolition. So this, this notion of equality starts to snowball and really kind of comes to a head in Seneca Falls in 1848.
11: Janine Waller is one of the leaders of this much-visited origin monument to female equality.
3: Elizabeth Cady Stanton. Her father was a, a practicing lawyer and then a judge and. She worked in his law office. She was able to uh, take her education much further than most women of the time, but she was continually frustrated that she could not participate in her father's law practice because she was a woman. And so um, she got heavily involved in abolition through Henry Stanton. And at this convention, she met Lucretia Mott and they became good friends in the injustice of this. And at the beginning of the convention, Elizabeth Cady Stanton read a document called the Declaration of Sentiments. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men and women are created equal. And over the course of two days, they refined it and, and then voted to ratify it. And at the end of the convention, they brought together a list of resolutions, of statements that dictated how they were going to move forward as activists for women's rights.
12: I think that for Mary, getting involved in the feminist movement, it would come from a place of her own internal sense of dignity, self-worth, and idea of what is right in the world.
11: Once again, you're hearing Monica Hess.
12: So it would come from a space of Of course, all people should be treated equal and women should be treated equally, too. And it would be more of an establishment version of of feminism. It would be a um, let's go through the proper channels. Let's have voter registration drives. Let's, um, you know, supporting certain candidates. I could actually see that Violet, after going through a life of being underestimated and marginalized, and treated as a floozy, and all of that. Excuse me. Oh,
11: wait
12: a minute. I think I got a date. But uh, stick around, fellas, just
13: in case, huh?
11: We'll wait for you, baby. Monica sees George's one-time love interest turned friend, Violet Bick, as a likely candidate to become a certain kind of feminist.
12: I could see her being much more of a, like, burn your bra tear down the establishment feminist at the end of the day because she wouldn't have been coming from a place of the security and for the most part things will work out kind of kind of background that Mary came from. I could see I could see Violet being much more of a figure who wanted to operate outside of the political system and outside of political norms. You know, it Mary would be the one who would be hosting a fundraising dinner for Kamala Harris and Violet would be the one wearing a pink pussy hat marching on the mall. I think that those would be in in like a modern day setting. I think that those those would be the roles that I could see them taking. With
8: me, I know, especially cuz I'm single and I have a business and I seem to have my shit together. People talk about me all the time like I'm this wild whatever I am. People give me a hard time being a woman in business.
11: You came to know Twyla Keeler in a previous episode, the one who begrudgingly agreed with some Seneca Falls residents that she might at one time have fit the description of the real Violet Bick.
8: Doesn't everyone look for their soulmate? And if they're lucky enough, they kind of. Yeah, I was pregnant at 16. We got married. Lived together a couple years, but he was mean. He was a mean person. It was crazy. I felt like I I loved him enough to cut my right arm off for him. But then, later on, I thought, what a waste of a good limb that would have been. My oldest daughter is now an anesthesiologist. She's amazing.
11: Eventually, Twyla met a man she still feels was what she calls a soulmate.
8: When I kissed him the first time, I literally felt like I was seeing fireworks. That was the father of my second two.
11: Twyla and Violet are both hairdressers, but Violet never started her own salon, which of course Twyla did in Seneca Falls.
1: A
8: woman in business is tough here. I'll give you an example. When I was going to open my business, I wanted probably like a 10-person salon. I put this all business plan, business thing together. I was going to get a loan, so I brought it into a bank, and I was sitting with the loan officer, and so I give him this folder. And he's flipping to it. And he goes, who did this for you? And I said, I did He didn't believe I did it because I was a woman. Didn't think I had it smart enough to put something together, I guess.
9: The wait is over. The shy returns May 10th on Paramount Plus, And the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn. Alliances will shift. And danger lies around every corner leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit paramountplus.com slash the shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th subscription auto renews restrictions apply.
5: Rain or shine. Every day is a great day for fishing, right? You got rain gear, but you can't overlook sunny day gear. A Columbia PFG solar stream elite hoodie has you covered on the sunniest days. Like literally.
13: Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com.
18: I was a little bit of a George Bailey, afraid of getting stuck in
11: Bedford Falls. Lori Lindine founded the trailblazing femme punk rock trio, Zuzu's Petals.
18: I was turning into that person staying in the college town and getting older in their 20s, and I started to feel like a loser and I started making big plans for myself to get the heck out of Dodge. I started a band after a health scare. At that point, having found out at 24 that I have multiple sclerosis, I sort of threw all caution to the wind and said, I wanna be in a band. I'd been trying to do that in Madison. Minneapolis is where it's happening right now. I went up there on a Greyhound bus and started my my new life in minneapolis one of my jobs early on in minneapolis was i worked in a library so perhaps i'm more like mary hatch in that regard i was a big dreamer like george bailey
11: unlike mary laurie in the 1980s has big dreams for herself that don't involve any man
18: minneapolis at the time It's a beautiful Midwestern city and it had all of the best music in the country as far as I was concerned at that time. There was Prince, he was the resident superstar. And then there were bands like The Replacements and Husker Du and Soul Asylum and the Jayhawks. I knew some of these guys because I had roommates from Minneapolis in college who grew up with these guys. So it was sort of, of course I'm moving to Minneapolis. Oh, I didn't mention yet that I didn't know how to play the guitar yet, but I, I was determined that it was going to happen.
11: It's then, while suffering health problems that are worrying her, that she sees a moment in wonderful life that inspires her to name her new band.
18: My parents had just been divorced. It was the first Christmas with them not together. It was very awkward, weird, broken family, sitting on the couch on Christmas Eve, lamenting. And I told my little brother and sister to watch this movie that's about to be on because I just saw it and it's an amazing Christmas movie. So the three of us sat and watched It's a Wonderful Life. And and when the Zuzu's petals scene came on, my brother turned to me and he said, that's what you should call your band. And starting the band was the thing that made me feel back in my life.
5: Zuzu's petals! Zuzu! There they are! Birds! What do you know about that?
10: Merry Christmas!
18: So, the Zuzu's petals and the symbolism of being back in your flawed life resonated with exactly what was going on with me at the time.
16: Wake up, your is
11: the Zuzu's petals hit Cinderella's Dream. And other big songs began to put them on the map, as they say.
18: You know, people would like go, oh, that was a lot of fun. You know, you, you were pretty good for girls. What's it like being a girl in a band? Get that constantly. And there was another all-women band in town who had taken off immediately Babes and Toyland. So we were sort of in their dust. But there were a lot of women starting to form and be in bands at that time. Yeah, we were treated like prostitutes pretty much at first. Mary Hatch, I mean I mean that that suggests fertility right there, you know? In her last name. And um Yeah, I, I mean, I think she was she seemed progressive and smart to me compared to some some of the other characters in the movie.
11: While Zuzu's Petals blazes a trail to success, Lori also begins dating Paul Westerberg, the frontman of the band The Replacements, that really starts grabbing attention. Uh, You know the songs. Can't Hardly Wait, I Will Dare, Swinging Party. And uh, Lori begins to feel the plight of Mary Hatch, a talented woman stuck being the woman behind the man.
18: We really fell in love, and I saw at a point with the band and it was getting really intense and I was starting to get singled out as the the voice the the face the representative and that was not at all how we worked and it made me very uncomfortable and I was getting really tired from the road and Paul was had just gone solo so um and we bought a house and I think I decided, he didn't decide that we can't both be doing this, especially if we want a family. So I just sort of focused on on making a home and becoming a mother for a while. But, you know, my art completely took the back seat to his and, you know, he didn't ask me to do it, but I understood that that's what had to happen for this to work. So in that way, I, I relate to Mary a great deal. Like I kept the house together. I kept all the Johnny stuff together. I, you know, and Paul could be Paul. And whether that meant touring or, or disappearing in the basement for six months and cranking out a record or whatever, I definitely ran the show. While we were together. So I, I I can relate to Mary in that respect. She's the one who kept them together. She was solid as a rock. And, you know, I'm so glad she didn't go with Sam Waywright, who was a dick and was totally cheated on her.
11: If you would like to see your universe more closely resemble the reality of Bedford Falls rather than Pottersville... Perhaps you should look no further than empowering women like Mary Hatch and Laurie Lindine, who have long been carrying the would-be George Baileys. Many in your universe speculate as to what might have happened to Mary and George after the last moments you see them at the end of wonderful life. What kind of life would Mary lead? Will she continue to be the shadow of George? Or will she find a way to take a little more control of her life? Or perhaps everything is just the way it should be. Monica Hess has an idea of what might be in store for those two heroes in that universe.
12: Yeah, so for one thing, I hope that after the happy ending, George has had enough of a um, revelation in his own life that he no longer needs mary's emotional support quite as much like he he is he comes to peace with whatever his own life looks like like if he's continuing at the building alone he's doing it um he's doing it with a sense of purpose and he's doing it happily or he's whatever he's doing um mary doesn't need to worry about her husband's happiness in the way that that she has. I can really see her coming into her own at the end of this movie. I can see her becoming involved in um in early versions of uh the civil rights movement. I can see her organizing um sort of uh early versions of of meetings related to women's liberation, um not in a in a radical way, but in a really Uh, in a really thoughtful way based on her knowledge of what, um, what she can do as a strong woman and what she believes other women were capable of doing.
11: In the previous episode, you came to know Philip Van Doren Stern, the writer of the original story from which the film Wonderful Life sprang. When he failed to find any magazines to publish the story, he decided to send it out in Christmas cards. This is his daughter, Marguerite.
16: I was in the third grade and remember delivering a few of these cards to my teachers and friends. My father, who was himself from a mixed religious background, explained to me that while the story takes place at Christmas time, and then we were sending it as a Christmas card to our friends, it is a universal story for all people in all times.
11: Inspired by her father's work and wonderful life, Marguerite would go on to make a far greater impact on your world than George and Mary could have ever dreamed, helping develop and popularize something called microfinance.
16: Microfinance made an impression on me at an early age. My late father, Philip Van Stern, wrote a story called The Greatest Gift that was made into a movie titled It's a Wonderful Life. The film which I saw many times while growing up, is about the owner, led by Jimmy Stewart, of a small-town building and loan institution who fights the local establishment to provide financial services to the town's working poor. The movie's message seems to have sunk deep into my subconscious to emerge many years later.
11: The three granddaughters of Philip Van Doren Stern you've heard several times over this podcast Laura, Perine and Sarah spent their childhoods in places like India and Indonesia and Sri Lanka with their mother an impactful anthropologist. By the way, interestingly, Jimmy Stewart’s daughter Kelly, whom you’ve also heard several times in this podcast, also became an impactful anthropologist, as have others you’ve heard. Here’s Marguerite’s daughter, Laura.
8: One of the things that she did talk about uh, when I was
4: growing up was how being a woman had some benefit in being an anthropologist and going to uh, rural places all over the world. If she'd been a man, she wouldn't have been able to talk to all of the women. She wouldn't have been allowed to, you know, engage with all of the women and with the children. Even though she was a woman, she was allowed to engage with the men because she was a foreigner and she was, you know, so different from everybody. She was from the outside.
16: Some years ago, I was talking with a family of Malanapali Dalits. It was during the monsoon, and we were sitting on the mud floor in their small, crowded, and windowless house, which provided only the minimal protection from the driving rain. I had been working for several days to try and understand certain intra-Dalit caste relationships. When I finished, one of the men said to me, We are pleased that you are interested in us, that you visit our houses, and that you sit and talk with us. We try to tell you whatever you want to know, but there is something we cannot understand. We are sitting here in the mud because this is all that we have. Can you not see that we are cold and wet, that we are poor and have nothing? You, on the other hand, are educated and wealthy. Why do you want only to sit here and learn about our customs? Why do you not also use your knowledge and resources to help us make better customs?
4: that kind of the moment when she recognized that what she was doing was learning about, you know, the world's poorest people and how they were living could be used in a practical manner to try to make their lives better on a, you know, top down from, you know, government advising to bottom up, you know, talking to people to see what problems they really face and just try to understand what are the solutions and how do we find them. And that's how she got into microfinance and, and microbanking.
11: It's been estimated that this groundbreaking approach to poverty reduction has impacted the lives of over 100 million people around the world. Pioneered by the daughter of one of the creators of Wonderful Life, this is likely the greatest impact on your world of the influence of that little Christmas movie.
4: The potters of the world are still here, but the baileys of the world are still here too. And it really makes a difference. And I think a lot of people equate profitability with Potter, but that's the big mistake. You don't need to, to be greedy, right? Greed is its own separate source of evil. Greed is when you take everything for yourself, but profitability can lead to sustainability and growth and provide opportunities for, for everyone. So it's really about the, the democratization of the access to capital and its real meaning. But that was, that was the, the key insight, and uh, it turned out to be really true, and true around the world it's almost 100 years later from when the banking scene takes place in It's a Wonderful Life, right? And it's literally exactly the same set of issues. It's really quite stunning. Okay, so in 2001, Equity Bank in Kenya went from $24 million in assets to $1 billion in assets. In 2001, Equity was a Building and Loan Society, literally a Building and Loan Society exactly like the Bailey Building and Loans, and that they really had a vision, and the vision was about the better quality of life for their clients and to increase their income to, make, to give them a better life. And these are literally the, I mean, it's, it's literally what George Bailey is doing, and they really succeeded in a in a dramatic way she she got to do what george bailey never got to do together with their good works they can (laughs) they can create opportunity for all gonna make and continue to make a difference
2: george
20: bailey was never born visit savegeorgebailey.com to join the mission there you'll find links to works by this episode's participants Learn more about how to celebrate George Bailey Day on Saturday, December 9th and annually the second Saturday of December hereafter by hosting your own Wonderful Life viewing party. Tell your friends to listen to this show. Subscribe, like, comment, and post about it on social media. Hashtag Save George Bailey. Subscribe to our Patreon to hear uncut interviews and bonus content. Podcasts also available on YouTube. iHeartMedia presents a double asterisk iHeartMedia co-production in association with True Stories. Created, written, and directed by Joseph, Kurt Angfer, and Reno Novichelski. Kurt Angfer, producer and supervising editor. Reno Novichelski, producer and journalist. Elizabeth Marcus, editor. Roy Sillings, narrator. George Bailey theme song by Carolyn Sills. Buy her albums. Soundtrack composed by Zachary Walter. Buy his albums and the original soundtrack to this podcast available wherever you get your music. Mallory Kinoy, co-producer, writer's assistant, archival producer, and fact checker, and co-writer for this episode. John Autry, sound engineer, additional editing, sound design, and mix. Executive producers, Dave Cassidy, Kurt Angfer, Lindsay Hoffman and Bethann Macaluso for iHeartMedia, John Duffy for double asterisk, Ruth Vaca for True Stories, Reno Novichelski for double asterisk and True Stories. Elizabeth Hankutch, associate producer. Brandon Lavoy and Ryan Pennington, Consulting Producers Keith Sklar, Contract Legal Peter Yazzi, Copyright and Fair Use Legal Maddie Akers, Archival Specialist Ron Kadish and Benji Michaels, Publicists Kavya Santhanam and Marley Weaver, Marketing and Promotions Art and Web Design by Aaron Kim Interns were Kyra Gray, Emma Ramirez, Eva Stewart, and Taya Wilson Podcast license for Philip Van Doren Stern's *The Greatest Gift* provided by The Greatest Gift Corporation. Their attorney is Kevin Koloff. Recorded at David Weber's Airtime Studios in Bloomington, Indiana. This episode featured in chronological order Carolyn Sills, Monica Hess, Kelly Gilfoyle, Jay Martell, Tanya Hussain, Emily St. James, Monica Capra Hodges, Hannah Ermy, Jennifer O'Neill, Donna Reed, Mary Owen, Janine Waller representing the Women's Rights National Historical Park, Twilight Keeler, Lori Lindeen, Laura Robinson, The Cast of Wonderful Life, Escape from Wonderful Life, and The Donna Reed Show, and the brief voices, music, and artistry of Parks and Recreation It Happened One Christmas in the American Film Institute. Frank Capra Award Show, via clips used under the still-existing legal doctrine of fair use. The Potters are working on that one, though. Jay Martell provided use of the still-never-fully-released Escape from Wonderful Life, which he produced and starred in alongside performances by the writers Matt Besser, Amy Poehler, Ian Roberts, and Matt Walsh, directed by David Zeef. The usages also fit fair use. The song Cinderella's Dream was used briefly, with Lori Lindine's permission, written and performed by Zuzu's Petals, which is Colleen Elwood on bass and vocals, Lori on guitar and vocals, and Linda Pittman on drums, produced by Lou Giordano from Roadrunner Records. Buy their albums. The voice of Marguerite Stern Robinson was played by her daughter Perrine Robinson, based on words Marguerite wrote for her book Law of the Fishes, and for her afterward to the edition she published of her father Philip Van Doren Stern's The Greatest Gift, the original story that inspired the Christmas classic It's a Wonderful Life. For more on microfinance, buy her book The Microfinance Revolution, Sustainable Finance. If you're in Mamaroneck, New York, visit the public library. If you're in Seneca Falls, visit the Wonderful Life Museum, the Women's Rights National Historical Park, Drink Like a Girl, and hair Elegance Between the Locks. Go to double asteriskmedia.com to hear our other limited run podcasts, Who is Rich Blee, After the Uprising, with a bold new season in St. Louis coming summer 2024, and Origins, Birth of a Pandemic. And subscribe to True Stories New Weekly, Everybody Has a Podcast, with Ruth and Ray. If you are feeling like you're on the bridge, please call the AFSP's Suicide and Crisis Lifeline by dialing 988 into your phone or contact the Crisis Text Line by texting 741-741. Consider donating to or volunteering with AFSP or your local Habitat for Humanity and make George Bailey proud. We're not affiliated with them, though. Copyright 2023, double
9: asterisk, Inc. leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit paramountplus.com slash the shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th subscription auto renews restrictions apply.
0: Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh?
1: Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country.